Hello, hello, and welcome. I am truly honored and humbled, and my heart is so full with the opportunity that I had to sit down with my next guest, Jacob Dunford. He truly is a beautiful human being, and I'm so grateful for people like this in our world. And before I dive in of sharing this amazing interview with you, I just want to do a quick shout out to InCircle. They are an organization here in Utah, based out of Utah, that is really giving back and doing so much for the LGBTQ community. If you've never heard of them, please go check them out. I will link the website below. Give back, donate your time, donate money. Um, Really get back to this organization because they are doing so much good for the LGBTQ community. Also, head over to my website and check out my heart opening retreat that is October 21st in Springdale, Utah, right at the foot of Zion's National Park. This is geared towards reigniting your heart and really connecting in and reconnecting in with your soul's purpose of why you're here. And this retreat is really going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of joy and play and room to really luxuriate in the retreat, as well as having different guided meditations, guided experiences, and experiences that you will take with you for a lifetime. There are a few spots left, so if you're feeling called to this, go snag your spot today. And also my Leaving Religion course launching November 9th. This is a course that has been coming in for some time, and I'm thrilled to be able to be providing it for you. And this is for those of you who are ready to put religion down and not have it be that piece that's kind of still hanging around that you're feeling like you still need to do work with. This is that course that will definitely move you through the religion piece with ease, with grace, with beauty, and ultimately coming back to the self in a healed state of moving through the world with ease, with grace, with beauty. This will be an interactive course and it will be really, I'm so excited for the group that's coming together. So head over to my website and check that out as well. And without further ado, let's dive into the conversation with Jacob Dunford. You feeling good? Feeling great. Are you ready? I'll use the water you gave me. Well, it is like you, you think you don't want water, and then you're like, oh, I really wish I had water right now. <laughs> no, you're so sweet. A beautiful host, beautiful space. Well, thank you. <laughs> this morning, I am welcoming Jacob Dunford into the space, and I'm super grateful you were here. I'm feeling good vibes, <laughs> good energy. That's good. And what's fun is we don't know each other no. at all. So like, in fact, what? just this morning, I was trying to find you on social media, and I couldn't find you. And I'm like, well, I'm this hidden. will be a... Uh, <laughs> No, well, I'll show I love you. I'll, well, I'll share my deeds. Yeah, I love following that. the interview. Yeah, I had a good friend of mine that was like, "You need to, you need to interview Jake, Jacob." Aww. So, yeah, I'm Jake for this interview. Jake and Jacob, I'll call you both. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So, what was it that I'm curious? Why you were excited to share your story? You've shared your story. You said before. Yeah, and I, anytime I have an opportunity to share my story, you know, with anyone, I take the chance because. I hope it will help somebody. Yeah. It sounds cliche, but it's not cliche. It's true. I mean, sometimes those little things that are we feel are cheesy are some of the things that connect us the most. And yeah. our stories are one of those, especially yeah. when we've moved through things that have been challenging, I'm sure, as we'll mm-hmm. get to, into your story. But We're going to dive deep. Dive deep. So, <laughs> and you're going to get to hear it for the real genuine first time. Oh, I know, because yeah. I don't know your story at all. <laughs> Which is kind of fun. Yeah. Normally we do like, I don't know, I've done podcasts where they're like, let me learn everything you're going to say before you do it. This feels way cooler. I don't, I know. And and I know your assistant, she'd ask me, what are what do you normally ask? And I'm like, you know, I, I feel like, you're like we just kinda these go are with the kind flow. of some questions, <laughs> but I am always, I don't know, just, you know, we go with the flow and what, what's being asked for in the space. Yeah. 
And yeah, this morning we got just we set for some reasons we've got sacred space going on today. I so. know we're setting some intentions. I, I meditated this morning. You set some vibes. Yeah, <laughs> so it's all all beautiful. <laughs> we're having a good moment. I'm having a good Friday. <laughs> Is it Friday? <laughs> That's how my week's been. <laughs> You're oh. like, what day is it? Oh, I know. That's so crazy. Did, were you born and raised in Utah? Uh, I was born in San Diego. Oh, sunny San Diego. Sunny San Diego. And did you grow up there? Did you? Um, I was born in San Diego, lived there until I must have been like, I don't know, 16. Oh, really? Yeah. So for a while. Yeah. And then I moved to Utah to go to BYU. So you were raised Mormon? Correct. Is your family still Mormon? No. Okay. Everyone I want to hear all of left. that. Okay, so 16, you moved to Utah. Well, kind of how it vibed out is, I think the most concise way to say it, and if you want me to elaborate on anything, you just tell me. I will. But I, I think um, when I was growing up, my parents always knew I was gay. Mm -hmm. It was one of those things where they had like, I asked for a vacuum cleaner for Christmas. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How old were you? <laughs> like four. Oh, my gosh. Like, That's I wanted so to cute. vacuum. So, like, it was one of the ones that clearly did not vacuum. Uh -huh. But, like, it had, had all the little poppy thingies. Poppy thingies. Oh, I love it. So, I think they always knew, but we never talked about it. You yeah. know? So, fast forward to, like, 16, 17. There was, like, one conversation we had, like, for, like, 10 minutes where it was kind of, like, no one said the word gay, but it was, like... We know. Yeah. We know that you know that I know that. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, How was that conversation for you? Well, it was kind of neither here nor there. It was just awkward. Yeah. So fast forward, I go to BYU, Provo, and always wanted to be the Monson Scholar, which if you know what that is, it's like. I don't know what that is. It's like, you know, um, full ride scholarship under the name of the current prophet, uh -huh. you know, and it's mm. like. You are the golden perfect child. Oh. You know? So is that why you wanted it? Oh, absolutely. Were you that kind of kid growing up that totally. you wanted to be the perfect child? I was the best everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you still are. No. <laughs> Things have just gone so downhill. Oh, really? I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> but um, I, go to, I didn't get the Monson Scholarship. Kind of had my heart broken when I got oh. a really shitty ACT score. Yeah. And... But made it into BYU Provo, nonetheless. Mm -hmm. You know, my yeah. worthiness was still intact. <laughs> You're still okay. <laughs> yeah, I was still okay. And I think the time I was at BYU was the hardest period of my life. Yeah. Mostly because it was like the Casey Musgrave song, Happy and Sad. Mm. Happy and Sad all at the same time. Huh. If you know it, uh -huh. listen to it. <laughs> oh, I, I always have that song on repeat. But I think a lot of queer people have that experience mm -hmm. where you're wrestling with your own cognitive dissonance, internalized homophobia, yeah, and you're happy and sad all at the same time. And BYU was some of those hardest times for me. Mm -hmm. Kind of contrasted to, I had a saving grace moment every Thursday where I could go and I was the rehearsal pianist mm -hmm. for the music dance theater department. Oh, how fun. And that's where I found my little queer friends. Uh-huh. <laughs> really? At I wouldn't BYU. have expected that. <laughs> yeah. We were chocked full, but everyone was closeted, obviously. Uh -huh. But like Well, did not, you guys know? Yeah, but, that's But it's unspoken. Yeah. It's very don't ask, don't tell at BYU. Hmm. You know? And so we I'm like the we're doing Lay Miz. And it was so much fun. I looked forward to Thursday nights every week. And then I went home in between semesters. 
And the thing with my mom and I is we share a running playlist. Mm-hmm. We're both big runners. I've run the St. George Marathon. Oh, and, so cool. But if you have Spotify, you know how this works. Mm-hmm. I add a song, you know, you see the song I add. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is important to the story <laughs> because I added a song, Everybody is Gay. Oh. Because I thought it was so funny. But, you know, you kind of forget that your mom's on your playlist. <laughs> So you're like, oh crap! <laughs> what did I just do? Well, I didn't know any. I didn't think of anything of it. I forgot that she was was seeing it. Uh-huh. So I came home in between semesters, and she's on a run. I'm at home, and the song comes on, and she tells me, "I just started crying." Oh, because it finally like hit her deeply. Mm-hmm. Like he's gay, and the problem is, is not the problem, but she had been reading online about all the suicides. Yeah. You know, so she was like, I'm worried I'm going to lose him. Mm -hmm. So she comes home unbeknownst to me and kind of has this, I've been crying my whole run look. Mm -hmm. You know the look. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she's like, we need to talk upstairs. And I'm thinking like, she found porn on my computer. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm in trouble. (laughs) This is so bad. (laughs) But no, we go upstairs and my mom and I, we have all of our serious conversations in the bathroom. Oh, really? Yeah, while she's blow drying her hair. Uh huh. Just kind of weird, but like it's super our cute. vibe. Yeah. So like, like super loud. Can hardly hear her, but that's part of the experience. Mm-hmm. What, mom? <laughs> yeah. What did you say? And she's just like, you know, blow drying her hair. It's been so wet. You know, she just got a shower, and she's just like flustered, and she's trying to talk, and she just turns off the blow dryer. She turns around. She looks at me. She's crying again, and she says. If you're gay, I need you to tell me because I don't want to lose you. Oh. And I just like, silence. Mm. And I'm like, I just start crying, mm-hmm. which is an admission of guilt <laughs> in itself. <laughs> but I assure her, I say, I'm not gay. I just like guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How did she react to that? Well, I think it's kind of a symbol to, I had some deep internalized homophobia because I didn't want to be the gay people of San Diego. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be Jacob, Mm -hmm. you know, and I knew that, you know, that was a scary thing, the rainbows and the glitter Mm -hmm. and the pride parades, but I wasn't that. I just like guys and I'm Jacob and I had kind of developed this like little corner of reality for myself where I could exist and still be okay. Hmm. And she, she was kind of like, huh? You know, I say, and I still want to go on a Mormon mission. Oh, really? And she's like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I went. Oh, you did? Yeah. Where did you serve? My parents were a little nervous. Yeah. You know, that he's come out to us. He's out to some families, out to some leadership. Mm-hmm. And now he's like, I'm going to go and like serve a mission. How long ago was this? I had left on my mission and I think... 2014 okay maybe 13 <laughs> yeah because i think byu was 2012 okay but i left on my mission when i was it was like the new age okay so i think that's 18 and i'm 26 now so for those listening that do oh, okay. math like there you go I'm trying to remember what it was <laughs> so this was before the church came out and accidentally had an oops where they said that if you had a family member that was gay, you had to essentially denounce them. Do you remember this? Well, yeah. So that was actually was a year and mission? a half. When you were on your mission? Uh, it was the, It was right when I came home. But, okay. But I came home. So I went on the mission. I had this agreement with my dad. I said, 
I'm going to call you every month. I'm going to message you every month, whatever. Sometimes I broke the rules. And we would check in. And if I didn't like it, I would just come home. So I kind of left on the mission being like, it wasn't going to be 24 months. Uh It might have been two. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it up until month nine. And I had like a moment. And I called them. We checked in. And then the next moment I had was month 15. Hmm, interesting. And we had just gone through general conference. There were a few talks that talked about the LGBTQ community. Uh-huh. And a discussion was started amongst all the missionaries. Oh, interesting. About queer people. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a positive conversation. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, and I'm kind of sitting there like semi-closeted, but like I wore huge scarves every day. Like <laughs> people, so I, it was Argentina, so Spanish, Aww. but they would call me Elder Bufanda. Uh-huh. Bufanda means scarf. Oh, interesting. So I got called Elder Scarf a lot. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe they knew. Maybe they didn't. Or they wanted to pretend like they didn't know. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like a scarf guy. <laughs> But, um, you know, I think it was harmful, the conversations. It was, it was really kind of deeply hurtful. Yeah. And I ended up kind of calling my dad and being like, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I've liked it up to this moment, but I'm not liking it anymore. I don't think this is the space for me. I want to give service, but it's not this way. Yeah. And he goes, okay, you're coming home. So I call my mission president. I'll save you the details. But <laughs> a few dramas later, I got kicked out of the mission. Oh, okay. So you had to get kicked out in order to go home? <laughs> yeah. It so, depends on who you ask. Okay. I say I left. He says, <laughs> I sent you home. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Huh. That could be a whole podcast on itself. But anyway, we'll, we'll spare not get the into details. That. <laughs> yeah. But I come home dishonorably, mm-hmm. which for those who understand the faith structure is not an ideal circumstance. No, no missionary wants that <sighs> label attached to them. Right. I kind of at this point have let go of what. That whatever mm-hmm. that means. Mm-hmm. And my parents though are like, we're going to throw a giant taco party for you. Aww. <laughs> like, your par- I like, I love your parents. All right. <laughs> like every, this whole story, I'm like, I want to know your They're parents. They're like, no son of ours is coming home dishonorably. Yeah. So they invite the whole, like every neighbor, every church Aww. member that they've ever met to this huge nacho party at our house <laughs> for the dishonorable elder. Oh my gosh. I love it. Where did you, where did your parents live? Cause they moved. We're still in San Diego. Still area. in San Diego. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So we, you know, we were in, a, we had moved actually at this point to Temecula. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of more Riverside County. But uh-huh. Anyway, so we were there and my stake president at home kind of reversed the dishonorable. Oh. You know, which like was good for my parents because they were mm-hmm. like, yeah, he doesn't deserve that. And at this point, though, I had been, you kind of feel like tossed around. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, I didn't have much equity stake either way, mm-hmm. you know. So fast forward a little bit, I'm sitting in my room and I don't, I'm not really interested in dating because I, I don't want to act on it. Mm-hmm. You know, is that something that you really consciously didn't want, or is it because of the religion? <sighs> I don't think I consciously didn't want it. I was, I was a conflicted young lad who needed therapy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I didn't really know what I wanted, and I, I don't. I, I think what happened was that my my dad comes downstairs, and he has his phone, and you know, I have to explain my dad. Police officer. Oh. I'm a little tiny skinny twig. (laughs) 
My dad is the opposite. Yeah. He's like, you know, firefighter, SWAT team, police officer, just like a man. Uh Uh-huh. You know, the macho man. The macho man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he like he was the guy you call when shit went down, you know? Mm-hmm. And he didn't at this time, he's he's changed since then, but at this time he didn't say a lot. He was kind of a man of few words. And he comes downstairs into my room and he has made a dating profile. Oh. With my pictures. Huh. And it was like I can't remember all the details, but it was something like I don't know how far he's gotten into it or if he had like, but he was like, you know, you need to get out there and date, you know? And I think I needed that like support to kind of, yeah, Yeah. permission to do it. So I ended up going on my first date to Disneyland because Disneyland I thought was the only safe place for a gay person in all of California. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's lots of places. Yeah. But you know, that was just my reality. Uh Uh-huh. And so I go to Disneyland and we go on this date. He kisses me in front of the Ferris wheel, Aww. butterflies. And I was end that up, your first kiss? That was my first kiss. Wow. At Disneyland. And I end up running into one of my church leaders while I'm on this date holding his hand while I'm at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. But one thing kind of leads to another. And my dad and I start talking about that they might excommunicate me. You know, and he was serving in church leadership at the time. And I'm like, so I got kicked out of my mission. Then they kicked me out of BYU. Did they? Yeah, I because I surrendered my deferment and I lost my ecclesiastical endorsement. Huh. So they said, basically, you know, you're out. You got to reapply for the other freshman. And then, you know, he's talking to me about, and you also might get kicked out of your religion, your faith structure. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, boom. And then... Three days later, the policy announcement came out. Oh, wow. The (laughs) one that I mentioned. The one that you mentioned. And they later said, oops, that wasn't, we didn't mean it. That was a, that's when I removed my records. it happened in, yeah, it was a Saturday. Mm -hmm. And I'm feeling without a school, without a community, without a a religion. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my friends had kind of disappeared. Yeah. With all of this. So I think it's a feeling of loneliness that so many people can relate to, but for every single person, it's a, it's a unique sort of loneliness. Yeah. And I, I think I had a moment with my, my parents where I talked about, I want to live a thriving, beautiful, happy life. And I feel like I can't have it. And I just, I got into this phase where I was just crying all the time. It was hard. Mm. Fast forward, my parents go, you know what, son, we want you to be gay. We want you to like live a life, have a boyfriend, be fabulous, go thrive. But why are you still so sad? Why are you still so depressed, isolating, lonely? Mm -hmm. And we couldn't put our finger on it. So my dad says, you know what, let me take you to your favorite barbecue restaurant. That will solve this depression. All the problems. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We wanted to talk, you know. Yeah. So we go. We're sitting in a booth similar to you and I right now, this far away. And my dad and my mom on that side, me over here. And we're just eating there. And I'm kind of just like really quiet. And my dad says, son, can you just, can we drill down? What is going on here? Mm-hmm. And my mom goes, yeah, like what is weighing on you? And I said, I want what you have. 
I want a family, biological children, mm-hmm. a white picket fence, a Cadillac Escalade, mm-hmm. um, hymns, primary songs, um, weird family parties with, lo- with all the buffets and everything. And I said, and I feel like I can't have it. Mm-hmm. It feels like the rest of my community says, love you, but we're going to go this way and you have to forge your own path alone. Yeah. And discover your own value system and your own way of living all on your own. But we're going to love you from over here. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, we just had a moment of just silence. just. And then he says, I need to tell you something. And the next thing he said changed my life forever. He said, if LGBTQ people aren't in heaven... It's not heaven to me. Mm-hmm. And my mom said, and if you're not there, we're not going. Mm. And I think what that allows is real unconditional love. 100%. Because that means they're in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And honestly, from that conversation on, I was just able to go and thrive. Yeah. Live my life. Hmm. So there's a story. That's beautiful. <laughs> Did you, that's beautiful. Like, I mean, I teared up a couple times during your story as I'm sure our listeners will do the same because it's, especially I grew up in Utah, mm. right? So Utah's a little different community than California. Right. And even that has its own, like you were saying, you felt like you had to go to Disneyland in order to be like in, you know, comfortable. Right. And in Utah, you know, it's not like I didn't grow up with people that I knew were gay at all. It wasn't until I was later, you know, in my life. And then you have all the religious constructs and things that you try to wrestle within yourself as far as someone who's straight. And then the church is telling you that, you know, this isn't okay. And, you know, having that lovely little thing come out saying now you have to denounce family members that are gay as if this is a choice, as if this is something that you're choosing to do. Yeah, definitely not a choice. <laughs> right. And yeah. I, how old were you when you knew you were, you liked guys? Um, Probably I was in the JCPenney store looking at an underwear ad. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how old how? I was, but I remember 10, being like, wow, that's 10? attractive. Yeah. Yeah, maybe 11. I do know that the average age that an LGBTQ person statistically knows that they are is 12. Mm -hmm. And they don't on average come out until they're 22. Hmm. So I think the problem for me is that is a 10 year period Mm -hmm. where you know who you are, Mm -hmm. but you're hearing, what is your family saying about you? What is your school, your community, your church? And I think that's a lot of where the suicidality isolation and depression comes in Mm -hmm. is during that 10 year period. Yeah. I had a really interesting conversation with a, um, a good friend of mine, especially after who was it? Elder Holland. Was it Elder Holland that recently was at BYU Mm -hmm. saying all sorts of the musket stuff. And I don't watch a whole lot of Mormon stuff anymore, but I had to go see because people will say things, but where's the truth? You know, so I had to go watch it. And, and I was talking to a good friend of mine, and she said, you know, it's something that is frustrating because a lot of the scriptural texts are mis- misinterpreted, right? Mm. 
And the scriptures actually didn't say a man should not lay with a man. It was a man should not lay with a boy. And if you know mm. anything about um, the civilization, the culture over in like Afghanistan, that's a real problem with men taking boys as prostitutes. And um, and my husband can attest to this. He was in the military and would see it all the time. And it was very disturbing. And one of the things she said to me struck me, you know, there's this whole in the Mormon religion that, you know, this is a choice. So you can you can choose not to act upon it and right. still be Mormon. And yet this is something that's just in your wiring. So God made you imperfect. Right. You know, and yet God's perfect. And then also there and I can't remember the scripture that essentially says, um, it wasn't a damning. There's something about um being damned if you choose to act out on this. And I can't it's not damned, that's the wrong word. I can't remember the scripture. But she said, for someone who's gay, they can never have their own children. Right, unless you got a surrogate, but then it's only one person that you know is able to use a semen. Right, you can never have really biological children, and that would be—I'm sure—that is a very painful. Well, I think I've kind of come to you can, you know, I my definition of like biological children has just expanded, mm, and I, I hear. and I think that maybe that what I had at the time was sort of a narrow view of what it means to have children mm-hmm. or what it means to take care and love for love a new life. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I've I think now I'm not certain that I'll have children, but if I do, um whether they're adopted, surrogate or the kids that I help through the work I do. Mm-hmm. Um I think that you know we're all like children of the earth yeah and we're all connected biologically anyways mm-hmm. you know so that's my feeling on it i love that <laughs> i love that but it was an interesting thought of you know right. this is something that they'll always have to live with and i love your perspective on it and yes we're all connected you know mm-hmm. we're all connected i think um in terms of mormonism or i'll just say any religion mm-hmm. Um, because my feeling and my view on religion is now sort of global, especially in terms of the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. There's still many countries where, you know, we are murdered or shot for being queer. Mm -hmm. And here, here's my thing. Any institution, organization, or person who tells you that being LGBTQ is unorganic or wrong um, those people or places are just unenlightened mm-hmm. and they're completely backwards on it and they're wrong. They're just straight up wrong. And I think my theory for change, how do we make the world a better place mm-hmm. is really simple. My, the first thing is whatever your child's journey go together. Mm, that's beautiful. That's my first and foremost like principle. I think Whatever the struggle, wherever they go, just go together. Mm-hmm. And then I think the second has something to do with forgiveness. Mm. You know, um, an example. So there's another side to me. I am the chief operating officer of Encircle. And Encircle is an LGBTQ resource center. We've got locations in Provo, Salt Lake, St. George. What do we do? Give queer people a safe space. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful, beautiful operation. Thank you. Um, 
what else do we do? We have mental health services for all these young people. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting inside in Circle Provo. Um, that's our first house. It gets about 60 kids a day. Mm-hmm. Wow. A day? <sighs> a day. How long do they stay? Like, are they staying It's there, open Monday just... through Friday from 3 to 8 p.m. Okay. It's a drop-in center. Oh, interesting. So no overnight, but it is like, um, there's always activities and events, and then they all go to support groups and therapy in the building. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So um, we also have yoga, some meditation, mm-hmm. you know, other forms of healing. So I... Also art, actually. Yeah. Art I, therapy is powerful. Come to the Encircle Art Classes every Wednesday at 630. Oh, so cool. So fun. Yeah. Top by local artists. Sounds like I may need to get you in here. Are these yours back here? No, they're not. I, <laughs> I, Yeah, we can have a conversation about that later. But I do love art therapy. Well, I'm sitting in Circle Provo, and um, we have about 4,000 registered volunteers. Wow. Um, most of them are active um religious people really from a variety of religious backgrounds Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people in within religion and outside of religion are looking for a way to show up for the lgbtq community in the way they know how Mm -hmm. and i think so often what happens is we sort of other people of religion and people who have left religion into like two groups that can't communicate Mm mm-hmm and Encircle's slogan is no sides, only love. Oh, I love that. And what does that really break down to? Mormon or atheist or anything in that spectrum, gay or straight, male or female, mm-hmm. Republican or Democrat, there's a place for you at the dinner table. Yeah. And that's our motto. That's our methodology. That's how we go about everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there. We've got like this little youngster um, who had just been kicked out of their house for being queer. Hmm. They're homeless. So they would come to Encircle after, and they're 16. Wow. <laughs> and they would come, they come to Encircle every day um, after school. We open at three. So they, you know, leave school, come over, and they stay there until we close at eight. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the youth shelter in Utah County, go back to school, and that's kind of their life. So they became like unofficial staff. Oh, yeah. You know, they're like, they make cookies every day in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) They have chores. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, but I ended up kind of wondering what kind of parents would kick their kid out? Mm -hmm. What monsters? You know, I kind of had this really harsh view towards him, obviously. It'd be hard not to. Right. Yeah. And we're we're sitting there and um, the kid runs upstairs. We're in a meeting and he's like, uh, my dad's here. Oh, he just showed up at Encircle, and he's brought the police and he's trying to get a restraining order so that his kid can't come around their other children, you know, cause he doesn't want their bad influence around the other kids. Oh my gosh. You know, and I'm like, wow, like just this adds to my case. Right. You know, fast forward a couple months. I'm at in circle. Dad shows up on his own. Nobody. Kid's not there. Mm-hmm. He asked for a tour of the building. You know, I'm kind of like, man, I hate this guy. Whatever. Mm-hmm. My team gives the tour and he leaves. Quiet about it. Doesn't say much. Seemed maybe to be touched. And he ends up coming back i i i kind of forget about the situation i come back to encircle maybe three weeks later and his kid and him 
are in the kitchen uh, making cookies together. Hmm. And they're now going to family therapy at Encircle. Wow. And it really was one of those moments where I go, you know, this guy was doing the best with what he had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's actually not a monster. He needed education mm-hmm. and awareness. And he needed someone to reach out to him and give him that opportunity to change. And I think there was a moment in the interaction where the kid goes, I hate religious people because they've been hurt by religion. Yeah. And I kind of have this, I, you know, conversation with the kid post all of this. And he goes, you know, the hurt came from my parents, maybe not religion. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but there are people who show up at in circle or in life who come from religious backgrounds who are good people. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that we have to allow space for both. Yeah. You know, that there is a spectrum. And I have now personally left religion. And I don't want to be labeled for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to label someone else for staying in religion. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like I'm asking for kind of, and that's why this is a very long explanation to the forgiveness. It's a beautiful explanation. (laughs) But I think there's a grace Mm -hmm. that we have to give each other in life. For being human. For being human. Mm -hmm. And and they're not going to understand your full understanding on first conversation. Mm -hmm. And it's annoying and it's hard. And here's the other thing. Not everybody needs to feel this way. Mm -hmm. I feel this way because I am coming from a place of privilege where I have a supportive family and I got out okay and I'm kicking ass and I'm thriving now. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of queer people who I go, you're not, you are not obligated to do this fight. You can just say, screw them and go and live your life. Yeah. You know, it's Mm -hmm. because it's a toll on people. Oh yeah. To show up and have these conversations and to do that work, mm-hmm. it drains you. Mm-hmm. And not everyone is is obligated to do that. That's the path that I've chosen for myself in advocacy mm-hmm. is that I want to be someone who reaches across the aisle and bridges divides all towards hopefully healing. Yeah. Healing in families, healing in like communities and churches and I've seen it happen. So I know it works, mm-hmm. <sighs> but it gets frustrating sometimes. Oh, I can, I can <sighs> imagine, especially with what you do and what you see every day. I can, I can only imagine one thing that I'm curious your thoughts on is, you know, we've moved into a society that now at a very young age, the children are forced to, to identify he, she, they, them. Oh, yeah. And I know for me as a parent, I really struggle with that. And the reason why is most kids, I mean, they're still figuring out who the hell they are and they already have a plethora of issues that they're dealing with and now they are supposed to identify their sexuality. Yeah. And, you know, our prefrontal cortex isn't even developed until we're 25, which is the relationship center and all those pieces there. I'm curious your thoughts on this. Pronouns. I... I had a conversation with a family member and they're like, what's the big deal about pronouns? Mm -hmm. He, she, they. And also they is in English. That's what they said. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know what I mean? I don't know that that matters, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the funny thing. They actually is English. Mm-hmm. And we actually use they, them, when we don't know something's identity mm-hmm. all the time. And we don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. And when we don't know someone's gender in English, we use they, them. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't notice that we do it. Um, and I think putting pronouns in email signatures, using pronouns in introductions, I think that's a way to signal to folks that, um, you know, you go, hi, I'm Jacob Dunford. I'm chief operating officer at Encircle, and my preferred pronouns are he, him. Mm-hmm. What does that say to you? says um he's somebody who understands that gender isn't fixed mm-hmm. and that it's a spectrum mm-hmm. and that's also not something that should be assumed and that one's tricky and i think <sighs> i think there's this interesting um paradigm that's happening for those of us who don't have like someone that we love that's going through everything that you've gone through of how to connect or identify i know my husband the other day was like i don't I said, hey, dude, but I don't know if I should call him dude. I don't know. Was that a he? Was it a... And, you know, just with everyday right. interaction with, like, the guy that's checking out, you know, you... With the guy, Trader Joe's. Yeah. And so... And there's <laughs> so much... That's where our queer people are at. <laughs> there's so much sensitivity <laughs> with it. It's almost this fear of saying the wrong thing. And I, I had an employee back when I had my clothing business that... Mm. Um, Garrett, beautiful human being who would dress, would buy some of the women's clothes and also dress as women or in that. And so I said to him one day, I said, Garrett, and this was before all this, I said, what do you, are you, do you want me to call you a he or a she? And I was really nervous to ask him. Yeah. And he's like, no, I, I don't care. You know, you can call me he, she, whatever, but thanks for asking. But it was, I was so nervous because I yeah. didn't want to offend him and I wanted to honor whoever he was choosing to be. And it's, it's, so it's an interesting paradox that's happening. On the one hand, I think it's beautiful for people who do want to state this is this is what I identify as. On the other hand, I feel torn with my child having to determine, you know, mom, I don't even know what I don't even know what to do when they're in you know fifth, sixth grade, even seventh grade. I think part of it is um, well, there's two answers. One, um, you can relinquish the fear of identifying a certain way when you realize you can change it every 10 minutes. Mm. <laughs> well, that doesn't confuse everything. <laughs> well, now I want you to call me a he. <laughs> no, I didn't circle. Kids change pronouns every day. Do they? Yeah. And actually, it. I think the future is where um, gender is non-binary and it's fluid. Mm-hmm. And... Your kid does not need to decide if they're he, she, or they. But if they do, they can rest easy at night, knowing that if they decide the next day that they made the wrong decision, mm-hmm. that there's no consequence and that your love for them is forever. Yeah. You know, I think that um, the other side of this is that non-binary or gender diverse or transgender people are at higher risks for suicidality, depression, isolation, loneliness, risky drug and alcohol behavior, risky sexual behavior. Mm-hmm. And why is that? This is why. This is the best way I can explain privilege. <laughs> um, so me, I am a gay white man, for those listening, um, who is very privileged in every way. Um, and in the LGBTQ world, I sit at the top of the privilege pyramid. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody loves a rich white gay man. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but the thing is, is if you look at all of the other letters, it actually is very obvious the amount of discrimination that a lesbian couple faces. Mm-hmm. Someone who says I'm bisexual and they go, no, you're not. You're actually just gay. The levels of discrimination get more and more intense all the way to gender. Mm-hmm. And in today's world, people who are, are on that gender spectrum are at the m- highest levels of marginalization, misunderstanding, and discrimination. Hmm. It is the opposite of my experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here's the thing. I had someone come up to me and they said, Jake, you know, this transgender thing, you know, I love everybody regardless. They're like, but I'm just having a hard time wrapping my head around what the hell is going on with all that? And what's the deal with the bathrooms? And what's the deal with the pronouns? And mm-hmm. am I going to offend people? Am I getting it wrong? Am I getting it right? I can't even go to work and talk to these people because I get worried I'm going to get an HR lawsuit and all this stuff. <laughs> you know what right? I mean? Yep, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, they're saying all this, and I go, let me explain it to you like this. If I were to get um, murdered tomorrow in a obvious hate crime. Mm -hmm. So it was obvious that I was killed um, because I was LGBTQ. What would happen? And I asked this person that. And they kind of know my background and I work with celebrities and this and the other. And they were kind of like, oh, um," they would be national news. Mm -hmm. They would raise like $30 million for LGBTQ things and there'd be reform. And just because of your privilege Hmm. you know and i'm like you're not wrong it would at least last two news cycles (laughs) well didn't wasn't there a lesbian couple that was just murdered pretty well here's the thing so then i read to this person a list it's a long list of transgender women that were murdered last year in a hate crime never heard of it i had no idea Hmm. and they go they say that to me and I go, that is privilege. Hmm. <laughs> so interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. I said, there were, one of those people on that list had one article, and it was in the Washington Post. Hmm. And it was not even a good article. It kind of made it look like it was kind of just bad circumstances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, when all of these, in actuality, are very obvious hate crimes against these people right so all that to say right now um gay people um we've done a lot of work the last 30 years and for those Mm -hmm. older gay people listening 30 years ago it was a lot harder to be someone like me yeah but today it's 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 still hard and i'm still marginalized i'm still discriminated but inside that triangle of marginalization um i'm i'm doing really well Mm -hmm. so what's our what's our job to advocate for all the other letters. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what you and I are doing. We're showing up because we're going, we realize that for the next 30 years, we're not going to be talking about me. We're going to be talking about gender. Mm-hmm. That's the next revolution. Yeah. And that's the next conversation. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see the growth. Mm-hmm. I'm already starting to see seeds planted nationally here in the United States mm-hmm. of some of that change. Um, I think it's inevitable. It's coming. So for those like you and I who are ready to love and accept, Mm -hmm. let's just be a little loud about how we feel. Yeah. I have, I have several questions that I want to ask you about all that. And I'm wanting to be um, considerate of our time as well. When I'm like, which question do I really want to ask? 
When you did choose to step out of the Mormon religion, was that painful? Was it a painful choice for you? Um, I think it was very painful at the time. I actually ended up writing, when I left religion, I wrote a letter to um, the church, actually. Mm-hmm. I never sent it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it had to be pretty cathartic, though, to be able to write that. Well, I'll explain it to you just kind of high level, but I actually have a big painting in my house mm-hmm. um, that I commissioned for kind of for this letter. Um, actually, my parents commissioned it for me, and which is all sorts of beautiful if you think about it. Um, but it's a picture of it's wavy kind of rocky ocean. The water, the waves are rocky to describe what it means to just live life today. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Mm-hmm. And there's this um, really beautiful ship there, and it says Old Ship Charity on it. Mm. And in the back, um, there's another ship, and it says Old Ship Zion. Interesting. And um, the Old Ship Zion is older, and it's um, leaking, and it is kind of eroding. Mm Mm-hmm. And the old ship charity is actually picking people up out of the water mm. and 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 rescuing them mm-hmm. from these surrounding ships. Mm-hmm. You know, and what my experience leaving religion was almost an answer to a larger calling, mm-hmm. which was not anything besides actually my love and charity can be big enough and large enough that even though I got thrown overboard several times, Mm -hmm. I think our mandate now as people aboard the all ship charity of love is to reach down and lift those out of the water Mm -hmm. who are in need of love and connection. That's genuine and wholesome and forever. Mm -hmm. And it, it's something that I think about all the time and that's my experience really leaving religion is something I'm grateful for it because it sparks something larger and my purpose that is bigger. Mm-hmm. But also it's not too, um, I've been able to let go of a lot of the trauma. Yeah. Yeah. You have, you know, mm-hmm. and that's been a process and I haven't arrived there. You know, it's, I don't think you arrive at like, I'm now free of trauma, <laughs> but you know, I've with, made some progress. Without doing some work. I mean, yeah. obviously you've done some work around that or you wouldn't be where you are today. His name's Dr. Shield. <laughs> love you. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> he lives that. in San Diego. That's my plug for him. <laughs> you know, I think one of the things that keeps hitting me is most people are afraid of change. And when you start changing up, we're in a world right now that is that is eroding with change yeah. and the foundation of everything that we've held for however long is changing. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those things that pushes people's buttons the, the irony behind this, the hate crimes is it's triggering something within them of them acting out something about when you're talking about these hate crimes where they actually do something quite brutal. Um, the irony behind that is it has nothing to do with that person, but it has to do with the person that took, took action on that, that event, the, the triggering within them. Mm-hmm. And so 
the reason why I'm saying this is I would encourage any of you that's listening that struggles with this to actually ask yourself within what this is pinging within you, because most likely there's something there that's asking to be looked at that's wanting some um, light or some acknowledgement or some resolution. Do we all have a tendency to have some sort of sexual deviation? Probably. And so that's where I think it pit, pit, hits and triggers people with something that lives within them that feels very shadowy. And so then they act out on whatever their emotions are, thinking it will solve this thing that's within them. And at the end of the day, whatever your religion, religious beliefs are, your spiritual beliefs are, Jesus, who he was and what he was here to show us, was un- there's no question to me that it was unconditional love. Everything right. that he did was unconditional love. Right. The society that we have right now is not operating on unconditional love. Religion is not operating on unconditional love as far as its foundation. And I love the sinking ship, you know, this thing that has, while it may have had a good purpose, however many years ago that it was created, what is now needs to be shifted and changed and jump ship and go create something else or find your peace within it, whatever that, that path looks like. Um, and I think there's also multiple badges or religions that are on board the mm-hmm. old ship charity. Mm-hmm. And the people on there are more diverse than we think that, you mm-hmm. know, and it's, it's, yeah. it's a larger um, spectrum of people. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it beautiful. So do you find that you don't get triggered by things that, because you had foundation in the Mormon religion, you don't get triggered by things that come up when they're starting to kind of. Speak you mean out like against? Elder Holland? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How <laughs> do you, you know, navigate that? When that happened, the only thing I wanted to say, and I actually posted something on my Instagram about it, um, like everybody probably, but my message was one that um, there are so many more people that love you than those that don't. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. So why are we focusing on those that don't? Yeah. Um, and also validating the pain, though, and the hurt that people are experiencing as something mm-hmm. like that. But, you know, um, so the CEO of Encircle and I um, also are involved in Love Loud Foundation. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, produce music festivals. And, you know, our last one, you know, or the one in Rice Eccles, I think had 35,000 people there. It's amazing. You know, and I'm going, listen, folks, there are so many people yeah. in Utah who care. Mm-hmm. And Circle, since we've started, have served 70,000 people. Wow. That's you know, impressive. And we're going to get to hundreds of thousands. And over 10 years, that's a million. Yeah. Don't you have a new house that's being built up north? We're building, in February, we announced that we're building eight new locations. Wow. Um, so we're building in Heber, Logan, Ogden, Lehigh, South Salt Lake. Wow. That's awesome. Then two in Arizona, two in Idaho, and one in Las Vegas. Wow. Super cool. So, you know, we're on a mission to build safer spaces for people. Um, But you don't have to wait for an Encircle to open near you to, you know, create the feeling of Encircle. What we do isn't too revolutionary. Mm. Um, You can have the feelings of Encircle in your own home. Mm -hmm. I think you have it here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like I said, no matter where you are, no matter your background, there's a place for you at your dinner table. Yeah. And that's the encircle philosophy. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are doing it every day. Yeah. And if they aren't, let's be loud about it and get people to do it. <laughs> because that, I think, is going to bring about healing. Agreed. In our country, you know? Agreed. Also, watch Mr. Rogers. I haven't watched it yet. I need to watch it. Mr. Rogers, any episode from, you know, the past, or uh, 
I there are you a, talking about the episodes or the movie? All of it. Because I've watched episodes. You've watched the episodes. As a kid, who didn't? The Amazon it. documentary makes me cry every time. Um, but I think the simplicity of his message is what we need more of. Mm-hmm. Um, there, he has a song, um, you know, about the neighbor, your mm-hmm. neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? Or I like you just the way you are. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of the principles there are a way to elevate yourself above a lot of what's going on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And to come to a higher plane of thinking and a higher plane of love. Mm-hmm. Um, because there clearly is not, there are some people who don't spread that message. <laughs> I agree with that. And I was just <laughs> reading something the other day because I, I don't want to get into this long story, but this really hit home for me is that really all paths, anybody's path that they're choosing in their life always leads back to the heart. Yeah. Because kind of to what the stories that you've illustrated so beautifully are are an expression of that. People are only doing what they can with what they know. And a lot of times this belief or this ingrained rooted system is embedded in their DNA. So it's not just their life. It is generations yeah. of things that they are are programmed with. Yeah. And but all paths lead back to the heart. And if we really take that message to like thinking through that and everyone's doing the best that they can with what they have and, and following what they feel like is true to them. Why would we ever, ever want to take that away from someone ever? Like go live an authentic life, be you, be beautiful and express whatever it is you feel like you need to express. And, and then, you know, visit and circle together.org and donate online or go visit a house. You know, I think... Um, I'll make sure and put it in the show notes, the link. Yeah, and just... I, there's a button on there that you can reserve a tour of a house. Yeah. And anyone can reserve a tour. It doesn't cool. matter who you are. I think going in there and feeling the space and mm-hmm. meeting queer people. Yeah. Um, you can meet some people who are transgender, non-binary. Mm-hmm. You know, you can experience that. You can have conversations with them. Yeah. You can make mistakes like your husband. <laughs> Say We're dude. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to and do. And you can ask and say, can I say dude or what? My husband's like that macho guy that's like no, hunter no. and military. And so he's like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Okay. Yeah. Your husband <laughs> is my dad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he used to be police officer. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So a lot of connections there. But I think um, you're absolutely right. You can get involved with an organization like Encircle, but first and foremost, open your heart. Mm-hmm. Open your heart to those people around you. And I think also doing an audit. Of who are the people in my life and who am I missing? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I love that. Who am I? Think about the people you're hanging out with. Mm-hmm. Are we missing certain colors of the rainbow? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and just look at yourself honestly on that mm-hmm. and go, I need to bring something more into my life, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I continually do that with myself all the time. Yeah. Where I'm kind of like, dang, am I hanging out with just too many of them? Uh, uh. <laughs> You know, yeah. right now I don't hang out with anyone. All I do is work. <laughs> well, you seem happy. So that's. Yeah. Happy. Yeah. No, because I love what I do. That's so good. You know, it's a dream job. I mean, yeah. Sounds like it. Sounds pretty damn perfect. And you can just talk to people yeah. about what it means to really love and accept queer people. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, that is so fun. Yeah. And hopefully some of this work we do, you and I both, you through your work and your podcast and me through mine, mm-hmm. we can help just one person. I, I always say to donors, um, how many people do we have to help before it becomes worth a million dollars? One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
You know, if we get lucky and we get to serve a hundred thousand people with that million bucks, that's、mm-hmm. a bonus. But really, one. Yeah, and that one is a has a ripple effect too. So maybe one person will listen to this podcast and their life will be changed forever. Yeah. In fact, what would you, as we're kind of wrapping <sighs> up, is there any、um, thoughts or words of wisdom of things that you've learned as far as going through the path that you've gone through that you would love to offer as a tool or? Advice, either, and, and、uh, it's on several spectrums, right? It can be parents that are dealing with a loved one, a child that is gay, or it's someone that's listening that's gay and choosing to be Mormon, or so whatever. All the、feels. spectrums, right? <laughs> so it's a little bit of a broad question, but yeah, I think、um, I'm only 26, so I don't know that I'm a Yoda of wisdom, <laughs> but I think my experience has taught me. The power of whatever your child's journey go together, yeah. And I think that alone is the one thing I want to scream from the rooftops,、mm-hmm. because, and I call it loving from the window.、Mm-hmm. But I, I just kind of picture someone like rolling down their window, like almost in a drive-through situation, being like "love you," and then kind of rolling it up and pulling away. <laughs> you know, I think we do that a lot actually、yeah. in our lives.、Uh-huh. We're not actually interested in kind of going to where they are. Yeah, we just want to say love you, but then like I'm gonna, I'm not going to give up anything that's sacred to me to show you that I love you.、Mm-hmm. I think、um, there was a guy I was speaking at a conference. He gets up, he says, "I have a gay brother. My whole family loves and supports him." But we don't get it. He lives in San Francisco, and he doesn't want to talk to us anymore.、Hmm. And I want to ask the encircled dude, "What should I do?"、Mm-hmm. And normally, I wouldn't give wisdom like this to in a, in a form like that. But I told this guy, I said, "Can I just be honest with you?" I said, "When's the last time you gave up something sacred f- to you to show your love for your brother?"、Mm-hmm. And I said, "And I don't know what that is.、Right. I can't tell you what it is,、yeah. but he'll know, and you'll know."、Mm-hmm. Do that with your kids. Do that with your coworkers. Do that with everybody in your life who feels outside of the circle of community. Yeah, and don't love in the drive-through.、Mm-hmm. Get out of the car. Go over there. Walk the journey with them. Get uncomfortable.、Mm-hmm. Make mistakes. Say the wrong thing. But it's sure as a hell a lot better than bzz, love you bzz, and going on with your life. Well, I think the key that you said to that is the uncomfort. A lot. Most people will not lean into discomfort because it feels uncomfortable,、mm-hmm. and yet that is the path for any kind of healing, any kind of expansion. Is really leaning into the discomfort. You know what's funny is my journey has been loving people of religion.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's probably a little uncomfortable. Yep.、Uh-huh. And so that apply that principle to myself.、Mm-hmm. I just don't roll out on the window and be like, "Love you, religion."、Mm-hmm. No, I try to get out of the car and、yeah. tangle up with it a little bit, get uncomfortable. What I love about <sighs> you and your energy and everything of you know your story that you've been through some challenging things, and I so love your parents. Like one of these <sighs> days, I'd love to just love on、They're、them because、icons. what a beautiful <laughs> example of of how to show up.、Yeah. And but you're sitting across. You are. You don't hold any animosity. You don't hold any anger. You don't hold any of that. It's just, this is who I am, and I love who I am, and I love my life, and I love people.、Yeah. Like you are an embodiment of what you're saying. So well, I appreciate、you. that. Thanks for showing up and being who you are. No, it's an honor. Are you I'm、me? sure you're making quite 
a difference in multiple people's lives. I hope so, you know? And um, I will say I feel the same about the work you're doing. Oh, thank you. You know, on on every level, not just in the podcast, but just the type of life you live. I can tell through the energies. (laughs) No, you're living your life in a way that even um, I think the person who feels the most outside of their community knows they have a place at your table. Yeah. I hope so. So cheers to that. Well, thank you. Yeah, I had a I had a client come to my house the other day that had been at a retreat of mine. She sat in the kitchen with me because I was finishing something up. And she goes, your house feels like the retreat space. And I'm like, well, that's good. <laughs> I'm glad my house feels like a retreat space. You're like, hell yeah. I, I put energy and effort into that. But yeah. is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up? No, just thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for saying yes and leaning in. I really, really, yeah. It's an honor. I'm always down. Let's do it again. I'm down. I'll come back for season three. Yeah. yeah. We'll dive into the stories that I didn't touch on. (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot of them too. (laughs) Well, then I'll make sure and um, post in circles website on the show notes. So make sure you go check them out. I know for me, I've never, I've known about in circle, but I've never gone to a location. So I'm like, well, now you know a guy, you know, Yeah. we're going to text. We're going to, I'm going to give you the VIP tour. Sweet. (laughs) I totally want to. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being here. I appreciate you. Thank you. Sending you all so much love. My heart is so full from this episode and from this conversation with Jacob Dunford. What a truly beautiful human being. And I'm grateful for people like this in our world who is just, who is showing us an example of what love really is. And I love I love the expression and the idea that he carries as well as Encircle carries, that there is a seat for everyone at the table. Man, we would have a better world if that was everybody's belief system and what they were choosing and how they were choosing to act in life. Head over to Encircle. I will list the website in the show notes and donate where you can. This is really a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful organization. And I would encourage any of you that felt any kind of gratitude for his story and for what Encircle does to please go do what you can and give back to this beautiful operation that is so needed in our community. And please go head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star review. I will be reading reviews on air as I really appreciate them. They mean a lot. They help with the rankings. And it really helps to get this show out there. If you haven't noticed, this show is definitely one that's coming from a place, a very heart-centered place of love and support and just reminding us and each other that we're not alone. So please share this, share this out with your friends, those of you who think that may benefit from this. I've appreciated all of you who have already given reviews and who've been sharing this. Thank you. And just as always, just reminding all of you that you're not alone in this world, that we're here to support each other and we're here to do the best that we can with what we have. And like I mentioned in this episode, all paths lead back to the heart. So let's come from a hard space in the way we decide to operate in the world and show the unconditional love that we are we have the capacity to give. Mm-hmm.